Hi, I'm Sylvain Cortez, Sustainable Security Strategist and 15 times Microsoft MVP. Like many of you, I have been listening to the Hacker Chronicles. So you can imagine my surprise when Alice herself got in touch with me. Alice may be the most wanted hacker in America right now, but she insisted on our little chat today. And well, who can blame her for wanting the spotlight? Guilty as charged, Sylvain. So Alice, you are in a big mess right now. Let's get everyone up to speed. How did you get into this exactly? Well, I was super broke. I'd lost my crappy job at a coffee shop. And I don't know, I had my rent, my student loans, you name it. I was not doing so hot. And I wanted a way to make a quick buck. So my gamer friend, Jeannie, told me about the so-called dark web, and I logged on. Lo and behold, I had my very own ransomware-as-a-service platform ready to launch my quote-unquote hacking career. So I worked my way into a law firm called Oglethorpe & Hudson, which is a hell of a name, and then made a quick 350 grand. Only later did I find out that the fake resume I'd sent my social engineering target got forwarded to the big food conglomerate known as Robert Sky. And they're not exactly the most upstanding corporate citizens, so I thought, hey, why not take a stand for the little guy? Anyway, after a few weeks of research and enumeration, I realized that their internal systems were still vulnerable to this big old problem called Log4j. So I launched my attack, and here we are. Now I'm in an undisclosed location talking to you. Your story has captivated hundreds of thousands of listeners around the globe. And I think I speak for all the cybersecurity professionals when I say that getting to listen to the first of a hacker has been incredibly informative. Well, you know, I'm something of a cybersecurity professional myself. No one's saying you're not, Alice. Yeah, but now that I have everyone's attention, I want to ask some questions. I mean, it's not like hackers just hang out. There's that whole anonymity thing, you know? It's kind of a drag. And I've actually got some questions about what I did. I mean, you saw how my last hack went. You're a Microsoft MVP and a Tenable VIP. So what do you say? Maybe some of your listeners could learn a thing or two about how to stop people like me. Okay, sure. Why not? Okay, so here's the thing. I've really only been hacking for a few months. And yeah, I know a lot about programming and all, but this was like a whole new world. The thing that really surprised me was this ransomware-as-a-service subscription that I got. It makes everything so easy. It has a phishing kit, so many exploit tools, and the encryption software is, like, on point. I mean, is it always this easy, or did I just hit the jackpot. You know, Alice, you have to understand that ransomware as a service is a business model between the ransomware operators and the affiliates, in which affiliates pay to launch ransomware attacks developed by the operators. So RAS, again, is not a technology. RAS is a business. And for sure, Alice, I, I really think you have been inspired because RAS is perhaps the shortest way and probably the easiest way for a beginner like you. And by the way, Alice, how much did you buy your kit? Oh, it was cheap, like 500 bucks a month. Oh, no, you're wrong, Alice. That's not cheap. Usually, in average, the price of a RAS kit is about, let's say, 100 bucks per month. 
that's perhaps why you get very good support and very good professional services from the RAS operator. Okay, okay. I guess I guess that makes sense. But there's one thing I still can't get my head around. Whenever I've had issues with my RAS, I would literally call this tech support guy. I mean, he was super helpful. And that's not common, right? Like, I had to have just gotten lucky there or something. I mean, do hackers use call centers all the time? Again, it's... Uh, you you need to understand, in fact, it's a real business. As a business operator, you want to take care of your customers, right? It is exactly what these guys are doing. Usually, the RAS kit includes support. So these guys, they created, in fact, bundle, and they want to advertise their service. So they are using user reviews, they are using forums, they are using advertising. That's a business. In the past year, in fact, we saw an evolution of the offer. And now we can categorize RAS services, let's say in four different categories or four different offers. You have the monthly subscription for a flat, flat fee. You have the affiliate program, which are, let's say, almost the same as a monthly fee model, but with a few percentage of the profits, typically like 20, 30%, which are going to the ransomware developer. Then you have the one-time license fee with no profit sharing at all. And finally, you have the pure profit sharing. Alice, I think your kit was based on an affiliate program, right? I'm pretty sure that was right, yeah. And again, Alice, don't make me wrong, I don't condemn what you did at all. And especially, I consider the operators of ransomware as a service as criminals. You understand that these operators finance organized crime, right? Well, I guess I never really thought about it that way. You know what? L let's just uh, change gears. Um, the most stressful thing I experienced during my hack had to be social engineering. To make my phishing attack at the law firm work, I had to learn everything I could about this accountant named Helen. All of her social media profiles were public, and you could say she's a bit of an oversharer. So, Sylvan, how did I do for my first time? And could I have taken it even further? Hmm. You know, Alice, I consider that social engineering is a complex art. And I must admit that I like to test different techniques in real life, just to see how people react. In a way, this is, you know, mental man manipulation, what you did, with a mix of techniques. And you have to be in a moon where you are able to communicate with other people. And perhaps you, you got it, but people are kind by nature and generally want to help others. That's why social engineering is a double-edged sword. You exploit people's kindness and it's not a noble thing, you understand? So what you did is not really good. For what you did in the train, I think you were lucky. But let's say the result is not really exceptional. When you master well the techniques of manipulation, in fact, you manage to obtain amazing results. I see that you are just starting in this field, but also try to use your relation capacity for positive things. If you have the talent, you will be able to help people. You know, it's, uh, 
it's very complicated to fight against social engineering just because it will be, let's say, necessary to train almost all the employees just to detect the mental manipulation techniques. Moreover, even if you train all the employees, some people will not be able to detect this action. And then you will be vulnerable. You, are, you will be vulnerable in any case. As I said, I use manipulation techniques to explain to people how to protect themselves. If you are good at it, you should try to switch to the good side and give up your criminal activities. Haha, <laughs> too late, but thanks for the advice. You know, I was doing some research about social engineering, and I've seen this term insider threat batted around. Helen was an insider, but she wasn't an active threat to her employer, right? I mean, I'm guessing there's more than just your friendly neighborhood Helen opening the door for attackers. So how else do hackers leverage insiders? And who are these people anyway? You know, for those of us cybersecurity professionals who might be looking for them? Alice, you know that insider threats are, let's say, an extremely complicated thing to fight against. Just because, I want to simplify the approach, but I consider that there are, in fact, two broad categories of insider threats. The one who doesn't know what is going, and the one who knows perfectly what is doing. So let's, let's talk about, you know, the first category. And the first category is a sort of, you know, social engineering. The first category is a huge army of people who are not very comfortable with computers and who can make huge security mistakes. Unfortunately, this is one of the things you have to take into account. Many people don't know how to recognize something weird, like social engineering, like phishing. Others don't understand well why you have to respect the computer hygiene rules. Organizations think that all it takes is a training session or two to correct behaviors. And honestly, Alice, if you, if you ask me, I find that completely useless. And I know that many people don't agree with me. Too bad. For me, the way we currently coach employees is totally scary there will always be someone to click on a bad link. And I know you you just try to use this kind of tactics. The second category is more insidious and has been amplified just because of the excessive outsourcing of IT services. Alice, I let you imagine. If you were working for an IT department in an offshore company, for a big company, and your salary is like, I don't know, four times less, that all the other IT people, would you be tempted to just plug, uh, you know, a little USB key to get some Bitcoins from the attacker? You know, in my career, I have been approached three times to just put a script on a server. Of course, I didn't do it, but let's imagine during this period, I had money problems. Would I have been so honest? It's very complicated to find against these two categories of insider threat, because it implies to know the people life of the computer scientists to discover their secret garden. Honestly, Alice, I think it's quite impossible. To conclude, I will say that globalization totally, let's say, underestimate this risk. And I confess that I don't understand why. 
Ah, okay. I've been thinking about that a lot because we always associate hackers with finding vulnerabilities in software, but the people who work at an organization are maybe even more dangerous. Still, the software is a big part of this because I was able to launch my attack on Robert Sky because their internal facing systems were vulnerable to this thing called Log4j. It's kind of wild to me that such a big vulnerability even exists and that no one knew about it for so long. It just, it blows my mind that, how could that even happen? Just to explain and, and to make it clear, Log4j is the name of the software and Log4shell is the name of the vulnerability. And Log4Shell is really a massive thing. As you know, this is related to the use of the Log4J library, which is used in thousands of applications. In fact, the, I think the main problem is related of the fact that Log4J is an open source library and it's free. And of course, thousands of developers use it. The first difficulty for the company is just to know if Log4J is used on its different machines. Because when you are using a software, you don't really know what the developer used. And perhaps the developer used Log4J in his code. And it's really hard to detect this kind of stuff. It seems simple, but the first step is really to understand his level of exposure. Honestly, I can frankly say that my company, Tenable, has done a remarkable job for all our customers because we, we were able to update our vulnerability scanners in hours. So all our different customers were able to detect this flow on their different systems. This log for shell story perfectly, let's say, illustrates the fact that there is, in my opinion, a big problem with open source tools. Why? Just because thousands of people use them, but have no idea what is in them. I know a lot of people are not agree with me, but never mind. Honestly, I consider that the use of open source libraries by developers can create a major risk for a lot of organizations. But again, Alice, this is only my opinion. Well, Sylvan, it was great talking to you. But, you know, I'm a hacker on the run and all, so I gotta go do some more running. And just so you know, there's a lot more of my chronicles waiting to be written. So, thank you, Alice. It was very a pleasure to talk with you. And I hope you, you enjoy the conversation. Perhaps we will see you together somewhere in the dark web or during a convention. Bye-bye, Alice. Au revoir. Alice is fictional, but the threats are real. Visit Tenable.com to learn more about how you can protect yourself. Thank you for listening to Season 1 of The Hacker Chronicles. Season 2 is coming in 2023. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you soon.